everybody. Thanks for checking out statesman.com. Thanks for checking out the Statesman's YouTube page. Thanks for out, checking out our podcast feed. This is Longhorn Confidential. It's Tuesday. You know what time it is. Cedric Golden, Kirk Bowles, Danny Davis. Let's go over the Longhorns. Let's go over this football team. Uh, we were all in the press box at DCAR this past weekend. Um, Texas, they played well on defense, did not play well on offense. 17-10 loss to TCU, which remains the number four team in the country. Texas t- stumbles from 18 to unranked, so a big loss for the Longhorns. They're pretty much out of it in the Big 12 championship chase. They can still weasel their way into Arlington, but a lot needs to happen, including Kansas State losing games. We don't think Kansas State's going to lose. So uh, let's just start with um, let's just start with the, the game this past weekend. Um, Texas is now 11-11 and 11 under Steve Sarkeesian. Um, in some ways, you can say they've made strides because they were 5-7 and seven last year and didn't make a bowl game. But um, in other ways, you can say this is a disappointment, especially after that Alabama game earlier this season. So, Kirk, we'll start with you. 11-11 under Sark. How patient should Texas fans be with um, Steve Sarkeesian? Is it time to start freaking out, or does this take time? That's what Texas fans do is freak out. That's uh, in their birthright, you know. Uh, they have grown a little bit. I'd say modest progress, maybe one win progress over last year to this point. But it's just kind of the optics. They're just so weird. You know, they look better. They play better for the most part. But, you know, Sark talks about complimentary football all the time. And uh, that was not complimentary football. The offense didn't show up. One of the best defensive performances I've ever seen out of a Texas team against a really good team. So, yeah, they're not long for their patience here. And uh, that's probably my biggest issue with uh, Sark is that win the game. I think he needs to be more concerned with winning the game than growing and developing his quarterback who's kind of been under fire. Said. Uh, Yeah, we talked about this in the press box. So many times a coach has removed a quarterback to win that game. Lincoln Riley removed Spencer Rattler in back-to-back Red River games against Texas. Oh, you want them both. Um, Neville Sweeney removed um, DJ Uleeli in place of Clubneck from Westlake. Nick Saban took out Jalen Hurts in a championship game and brought in a freshman named Tua. So sometimes you just got to win that day and then and then deal with the fallout afterwards. And I'm not saying that Hudson Card would have rode in on a white horse and delivered a win, but I am saying that he couldn't have done any worse than Quinn Ewers did. Quinn Ewers was awful. I mean, he just didn't play well. And that happens. We all have bad days at the office. And so... Uh, are you protecting the kids' feelings? Are you are you worried about what Arch Manning's thinking, standing on the sideline? I don't know. But you didn't do what you needed to do to get that win. And I think changing quarterbacks, I don't think it – I don't know that if it would have worked, but I know it wouldn't have hurt. You know, I, I think 11-11 is not ideal, um, especially when you consider what Texas was under Tom Herman. I know Tom wasn't necessarily the most – warm and cuddly personality and rubbed a lot of people the wrong, the wrong way, but they went to four bowl games, won all four um, and got to a big 12 championship game, which made, you know, and even that may not have been to the Texas standard, but I think that program was in a lot better place under Tom than it is currently under Steve. But, 
you know, he has the right to run his program the way he wants to run it. And maybe it's going to just going to take a little time to get there. And unfortunately, sometimes at Texas time is not uh, something you get, but I also don't know if we can uh, completely condemn the Sarkeesian era after, um, after just, um, you know, 22 games, but some strides need to be made um, in a, in a more in a forward direction, but said, you brought it up. Uh, let's talk about the quarterback position. Quinn Ewers, um, Came in five star five star recruit um, five star transfer uh, played really well at the beginning of the season. That was the Alabama game. Um, he was spectacular before he got hurt, and then came in in the Oklahoma game and you know shredded the Sooners and endeared himself to a lot of a lot of fans. But since then he struggled um, against TCU, seventeen to thirty nine for one hundred and seventy one yards, no touchdowns, one pick, under forty five percent completion percentage in two of his last three games under 200 passing yards in three of his last four games since the Oklahoma game. And granted, that may not all be his fault because of play calling, et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, Quinn has not played a lot. I think he would tell you that. I think all of us watching um, would tell you that. So I guess the same question, how much patience should Texas fans have with Quinn Ewers? He is a redshirt freshman. We may have thought, put too much on his plate, just thinking he was going to be the next Colt McCoy right off the bat. But um should Texas fans be patient or is it time to start beating that Hudson card, Malik Murphy, Charles Wright, maybe Ben Ballard, even if you're a Hyde Park uh, football fan, um, you know, it's time to beat, start beating those drums and see what else is on that depth chart. Seth, we'll start with you on this one because you wrote about it uh, after the game on, on Saturday. I really think the portal is, is a scary thing. And if there wasn't a transfer portal, he could be a lot more liberal with his decisions and he could, he could conceivably go with Hudson Card and not worry about the fallout right now. He can enter the portal as I'm speaking. So um, I don't know how much that has to do with it. He's, what, seven starts. Um, he's young. And I would be more patient with him if I didn't have a guy in the, in the background who's shown that he can play the position. Uh, I think the last time we saw Hudson in a start, it was West Virginia, 21 of 27, 303 yards, two touchdowns, no picks. And and a a big-time scramble on one foot, basically, just showing that he is ready when called upon. So if it's me, um, the leash is really short in Lawrence. And if he continues to miss out on easy throws, I go to Hudson Card. What more – should be said, Hudson Card can play. Is he Johnny Unitas? No, but he but he's but he hasn't had a game where he completed. Uh, he hasn't had a forty five percent completion percentage stretch ever in his career. He's a lot more accurate than Quinn at this point. It just seems to be such a disconnect. I mean, Danny, you mentioned the OU game since then. I mean, seven touchdowns, four interceptions. You know, like 49% completion rate. You hate to say it, but he almost seems to be regressing. And I don't think any of us are talking, demoting him, benching him. It's like using what you have. And Hudson Card, like you said, said he, he looked great against West Virginia. He he beat West Virginia. He beat Iowa State. Uh, he did all he could in Texas Tech to win that game. He had that last drive. You know, we were all on the sidelines, Danny and I, and well, he just took him down the field, and Bert Auburn kicked the tying field goal, and and let's Bijan fumbles on the first play of overtime. I think they're going to win that game. So, you know, he could have gone three and zero in those starts, and he played well enough against Alabama. 
the final three quarters to keep them in it. They again, took a miraculous last-second drive, last-minute drive for Alabama to pull that one out. So it's like, you know, nobody's saying Quinn Ewers is done, he's a bust, he's, he's finished, and clearly he's not the finished product. So I personally, I think he's doing a disservice to uh, the rest of the team and also to Quinn maybe because – you know, he says accurately on Mondays, it's not all Quinn's fault. Nobody's saying it is. But the quarterback has more impact and influence on an offense than any other player. Sark also knows that. So, to me, you know, the examples you mentioned, said are very obvious and visible. And, you know, I remember when DJ uh, got benched at Clemson, Dabo came out right after the game in the post-game interview on the field saying, DJ's our guy. But he was having an off day at three turnovers, so they went to Klubnik and they won the game. I think Klubnik threw four passes that second half. So it can be done. Nobody's trying to trash Quinn Ewers. And it's almost like he's trying to protect him too much. You know, when I asked him Monday, you know, how do you feel about his footwork, you know, his reads, vision, mechanic? He's he's doing a nice job. You know, he kind of just blew it off. And then when we asked Quinn, as as you – to know he said oh yeah i need a lot more work on my footwork my footwork has really gotten lazy so so which is it so so i would just say to start don't protect him so much think more about your team uh than one player well cole hudson was struggling a couple of games ago he lifted him off the mm-hmm. offensive line for me uh watch your quarterback be different i know it's the most important position on the field but that should make it doubly important when you're when when your quarterback is struggling. He's the head of the snake, and if the head of the snake is struggling, the snake the the body of the snake's not going to do well. I mean, if I told you that they that they were going to give up 17 points to, to a team that's averaging over 500 yards a game and score a defensive touchdown, I'm like, oh my god, Texas wins by two or three touchdowns, and they lost. And the offensive lost. line didn't play well, and receivers had at least four drops that we counted, if not more. So there's a lot of blame to go around, but it does all start with the quarterback. Yeah, I was I was not for the idea of pulling um, Quinn at the Oklahoma State game um, just because of the circumstances, but I don't think it would have been winning. the world to winning. try to give them a spark on Saturday and see what Hudson could give you. Um, I also think, you know, Quinn, while he has not been playing good, Steve could help him a little bit with his play calling. I mean, I, I think all of us, you know, were groaning uh, audibly every single time they're, you know, trying trying it deep, but that just wasn't working, whether that was the Quinn's, what Quinn was doing, throwing the ball or the effort that Xavier was having with, um, you know, trying to track, track down some of those deep shots just wasn't working. And I think Steve can call a better a better game plan. I, I think Quinn's your QB1. I think you've hitched your horse to that wagon and you need to see – where it goes and um he, he's your guy you know going forward and he may be the future of this program but i think he can play better i think steve can call a better game plan and you know the receivers and tight ends could do a little bit better tracking some balls and not dropping very easy um wide open passes as we saw some of those drops made me think of the times i was playing football and i was not uh good at all but let's move forward um well, grizz 
Let's talk about the, the – well, there's one game I care about, Cat Grizz, um, <laughs> this weekend up in Bozeman. College game day is going to be there. It's a huge deal. But I know that's not why people are tuned in this game. I'm paid to care about Texas-Kansas this weekend, which will be Saturday at 2.30 p.m. up in Lawrence. It'll be on FS1. Uh, me and Cedric will be there. Uh, Michaela Compton our, uh, will be photographing photographing the game. I can't speak English um, for us. And so we'll have we'll have full coverage there. Um, but let's talk right about it. You know, we'll talk about this in a couple of seconds when you guys give your on second thought tease. But uh, Lance Leipold, Big 12 Coach of the Year, or is that Sonny Dykes? I mean, who are we going – who are we giving this Big 12 Coach of the Year award? Because is undefeated, but raise your hand if you had Kansas at 6-4 and four at this time of the season. <laughs> yeah, right, right. <laughs> Sonny D is the coach of the year in the Big 12, and he's the coach of the year in college football. And he was the guest on last week's on Second Thought. Man, Duck, we're getting every coach in the Big 12 on our podcast except uh, – okay, go ahead. We had ahead. him in August. <laughs> we did have him. We did have him in August. We'll take him. Yeah. So you think it's clear it's Sonny. I just – boy, the job Lance has done, that's a forlorn program, maybe the worst program in the country you know, historically, traditionally, and for them, they were picked last, last in the, in the Big 12, and TCU was picked seventh, but I'll just put it this way, you know, Max Duggan on Saturday was making his 38th start, and again, Quinn making seven, big difference there, but, and they had 18 starters back at TCU. I, I remember us talking in August, and I said, they're just kind of a mystery team to me. I don't know how good they're going to be. They got a lot of experience and, and Sonny's done a great job, but you know, he's the first, uh, first year coach in big 12 history to start out 10 and Oh, you know, that's pretty impressive. And they're five and Oh against ranked teams. The only other team that's done that is Tennessee. So man, if anytime you could have a co-coach of the year, I think it'd be this one, but you're right to me. Those two are both up for coach of the year, right up there with maybe Josh Heupel at Tennessee. Um, yeah, came from nowhere. He brought him from nowhere. And yeah. I know I love me some Sonny D and, but yeah, I'm looking at it in totality. I, you got to give it to the guy that came from the bottom and where would they be if they, if they had Jalen, their, their starting, yeah. quarterback. Who, starting quarterback who may play this week. He I don't know. He practiced yesterday. Practicing dog. He's practicing. Uh, and, one person we do expect to see is Devin Neal, the uh, great Kansas running back who Texas fans should remember for all the damage he did last year in Austin in that 57-56 victory. Um, there's some good running backs in this, in this Big 12 conference. Obviously, Texas fans don't need to be reminded of the, the two they have in their backfield. But where do you kind of rank Devin in this uh, long list that includes, you know, um, Obviously, the, the two at Texas. You got two at Texas Tech that are really good. Kendra Miller at TCU this past weekend is spectacular. There's a there's Deuce, a list of Texas. Deuce. Deuce Vaughn. I mean, I don't know how I didn't remember to say Deuce Vaughn. Where does Devin Neal kind of rank in this list of good tech, good Big 12 running backs? Does he even make the all-conference team? There's so many good running backs. He ain't Probably making not. Probably not. not. Making nope. No, I mean, the best two to me are, are Bijan and uh, Kendra Miller. I mean, they're, they're the two elite and – you know, Devin Neal is an awesome guy. Eric Gray at Oklahoma is having a great year. Mm, about him. Richard mm. Reese at Baylor. I mean, they're, they're loaded with great running backs. But, you know, I'm on the All-American panel, and we picked our offense this coming Sunday, and I'm going to be pushing like hell to get Bijan on there. I shouldn't have to push. 
Who's I mean, the best running back in the country? 116 yards. He had Blake Corum. I mean, Blake Corum for Michigan. Yeah, he's been great. He's, he's going to be a no-brainer too. But uh, Devin Neal's a very good back. And with the way they use the option, they're going to see a lot of him. You know, we talked about Bijan only getting 12 touches, you know, against TCU. No targets in the passing game. What's up with that? I mean, he's one the guy with the best hands. He thinks he's got the best hands. And he's such a versatile guy, genuine. Obviously, we love the guy. But I'd probably say Devin Neal's top four, but not top two. Top so four. So who are you? So, so Bijan, Kendra. And then I'd probably put Deuce Vaughn. Deuce third, third and, then, then and then Devin fourth. Probably Devin Neal and then Eric Gray, those five probably. That sounds right. It sounds about right. You got it, uh, Obviously, I, I think Bijan's, you know, number one. And I don't think that's just us with our burnt orange glasses on. I think he, you know, is just a spectacular talent. And, you know, if he's able to, you know, I think part of the problem last year is he just got hurt early, so he couldn't go the distance with, you know, the the Abram Smiths and Deuce had a great year last year as well. But I think Bijan, when it's all said and done, will, will be the clear-cut number one on that all-conference team. And then I think uh, Kendra and Deuce can just battle it out, out in the Big 12 championship game. Winner gets that second spot, um, since I think uh, TCU and Kansas State will probably be booking those two spots. But I, I would take um, – if I can get Bijan, I'll take either Kendra or Deuce. I'll and be very, very happy yeah, with them having happy. that that player as my star running back. Oh, let's talk about. I'll tell you, Daniel, before you before you go on that, KJ Miller off right tackle. Oh my Ooh. god, well, he exploded! Man. I didn't know he was that fast. He's tough too. And he moves and the ball, doesn't he? And he ran past four legitimate four, five, and faster guys in that mm-hmm. Texas secondary. I mean, I was like. He just he just became a first a second round first or second round draft pick with that run eventually. I mean, I, I didn't know. I mean, he's bigger. He is bigger than Bijan Robinson. He's six pounds heavier, and he hit that hole. I was like, wow. I, I didn't know because I hadn't seen him. I didn't know. Yeah, he's solid. That was probably. I mean, there were two bad plays by the defense in that TCU game. That was one of them, the seventy-five yard run by Kendra Miller, but. It, as a whole, this Texas defense played spectacular on um, on on Saturday. Looking forward to this Kansas game. Kansas is a top twenty scoring offense. They run the option, a little bit of a different look. But coming up, the defensive performance. Kirk, we'll start with you. Which Texas defensive player are you keeping your eye on? Who do you want to see in Lawrence on Saturday? I want to see more of Baron Sorrell. I mean, that guy is lighting it up, and you know he's had a really good year. And he just seems to be getting better and better. And, you know, we were looking at him yesterday when they brought him to a Monday press conference for the first time this year. Boy, what a frame he's got. He almost looks like oh, a forward. The man. Basketball. The man. He's, and, and I even asked him in our availability, you seem like you're playing angry. And he said, yeah, I try to play that way every game. And I just been thoroughly impressed with him and, He's going to be a star next year. He's he's really impressive, and I'm looking to see how they do against the Kansas team that runs the hell out of the option. And you know that's going to be a, a upfront battle, that line of scrimmage war. So he's a guy I'm kind of focusing on. I love me some Jalen Ford. Um, gives us really thoughtful answers every Monday when we talk to him. He's he's a he's a football mind and. Linebackers are always tested um, when it comes to the option assignment football. 
is is a little bit more difficult than just reactionary football. You have to take that that little split second and and diagnose what's coming at you and and um, so I'm looking forward to see uh, what kind of impact that Jalen makes uh, in that backfield. The the one thing he told us, he goes, they throw they throw out of that option, they throw out of that option more than most option teams. So that's going to have them Texas have to be on his p's and q's and. I, I count him as the biggest playmaker on the team. I really think besides B, besides B. John Robinson, he's the best football player on their on their team. And and that's a team of some pretty good football players. So he'll be I'll be watching 41 for sure. I think arguably the biggest playmaker on the defense is uh Mr. Jade Barron, the yes, sir. Yes, sir. high school. I'll I'll pick him two touchdowns this year, which is actually one more than uh, Jordan Whittington um somehow. Um, he's three in his career. Also had a scored off a blocked punt in the Texas Tech game a couple years ago. So he somehow, as a as a defensive back, just has a nose for the end zone. And you know, at that nickel star, whatever they call it, position, you know, they're going to need him again on um, Saturday to you know, help kind of slow down this uh, this Kansas this Kansas defense. But obviously, Barron and um, Barron and Jalen are two fine picks. And you know, there's a lot of guys who've stood out on this defense who may not have been the guys we figured who at the beginning of the season, who have still played well. DeMar has been great. Keandre's been good. But there's been other guys on this defense who have stepped up, which has really helped yeah. them. Ovio Gufo has really impressed me. He's really stepped up his game. You're right, Danny. Um, Kirk will not be in Lawrence this weekend. Uh, he will be back here in Austin. And as we kind of go over what else is going on in the 40 acres, he'll actually be at the Texas volleyball game on Saturday um, night. They're number one, Texas, number 15, Baylor. It'll be senior night for the for the Longhorns. So you'll get a save for, farewell to Logan Eggleston. You'll get a save, you know, farewell to Zoe Flack, some other other names. It won't be their final home game because the postseason's coming up. This will be their final regular season game, and those ladies will get, get some love. Texas also plays Kansas, another Texas-Kansas matchup on Wednesday night. That's 6 p.m. at 8.30 p.m. Head on over to the Moody Center. Texas versus Gonzaga, two versus 11, Big basketball matchup, Kirk. You're going to be at that one too. So you're just getting all these ranked, uh, ranked <laughs> showdowns over over on campus. Uh, women's basketball. They will be in the Bahamas this week, and unfortunately, I don't get to go to that one. I go to camp ah. instead. I think I I lost out with those travel plans. Uh, Texas played UConn on Monday. Didn't have Rory Harmon. Lost by seven points um, to number five UConn. We'll see if they can hold on to their number three ranking. Ranking Texas soccer at Duke on Friday, second round of the NCAA tournament. Also, cross-country men's and women are both at the NCAA meet this weekend. Uh, we mentioned it earlier on Second Thought. Do you all want to give us a little bit more of a tease, or is this all Lance all the time? It's going to be Lance Leipold. We're going to have a B. John Robinson segment because uh, we, we, uh, me and you had a nice kind of a fun exchange with B. John. You asked him a question. He answered it, and I uh, made him laugh. So we're going to play that clip. For our listeners, um, we just love Bijan. We do. Um, if we if we had daughters, we'd want we'd want her to bring home Bijan Robinson. Yeah, we because he's he would pull up in a Lamborghini. That would be nice. Yeah, that and you mentioned nice. and you mentioned the women. I don't know if y'all watched the women last night, but uh, you know they hung tough with them, and uh, you know UConn got them on fast break point. I think it was fourteen to two, but none in the second half. So obviously Vic you know, crack down on them. But Taylor Jordan and Sonia Morris are two 
really good transfer players they have. They'll be fine. If Rory's playing, Rory back. Yeah, Rory's playing. Find you back in that backcourt. They they've they've got something there. So and Vic and Vic will be smart if he's got to sit Rory. If she's got a broken toe, and I don't know. If she's got a broken toe, and I did, I broke mine in 2016, and I sat for six weeks in a boat in a boot, uh, but then I came back. So six weeks is nothing, is nothing in college basketball. The real games don't start for a while, so he'll be very smart with with his best player, Rory Harmon. He'll be smart with her. And just for the record, it's Taylor Jones, um, the Oregon State Oregon State transfer. But you are, you are correct, um, Texas. And this happened the last two years under Vic. Their November product is not the same as their March product. And if you're a Texas basketball fan, you care more about what's happening in March. And lucky with someone like Rory, she knows the offense. She knows how to play defense for Vic. So if she's a little bit behind schedule and doesn't get to play in full speed for a couple weeks, she'll be fine. We know what we have in Rory Harmon, and that's that's not a problem. I think the bigger issue is getting the other – players kind of in the system and getting them used to um, this brand of Texas basketball. And I think by the time conference play starts, um, this Texas, they may take some lumps early. Um, they may, you know, this Bahamas tournament's not going to be a joke and they do have some good non-conference uh, games coming up, but I think they will be, they'll be fine. Uh, before we get out of here, do you have any thoughts on the, on the men's game on, on Wednesday? Obviously a big test for Chris Beard and his squad early on. Well, Gonzaga's one and oh on aircraft carriers and, Two and zero on the season. Everybody's gonna want to look for Drew Timmy, the Metroplex guy who escaped the state, and uh, he's you know, gonna. He's gonna be fine. He only scored thirty seven last year against. Yeah, him. hopefully they fine. can hold him to thirty six. Hopefully, but uh, the one thing you know, Gonzaga doesn't have the great guards like they used to. You know, you don't see a, a Jalen Suggs out there. I mean, Nolan Hickman. You know, he had like four turnovers and one assist against Michigan State. So that may be you know, probably the biggest advantage Texas might have, but they won't have an answer for Drew Timmy. So just hopefully that'll be a really entertaining competitive game. Sorry, I was on mute. Um, That's going to do it for us. Uh, we appreciate you all watching this video or listening to this podcast. Uh, please check us out throughout the week on statesman.com as we get you ready for the Kansas game. Be sure to check out us on Saturday night, Sunday morning, as Kirk is, you know, writing about volleyball. I'm me and Seth are writing about uh, the football team, and obviously we will be here next week to get you ready for the Baylor game, get you ready for Thanksgiving, get you ready for, I guess, uh, whatever you need to be getting ready for. And so we're going to sign off here uh, for Kirk, for said I'm Danny, go Grizz. We'll see you all next week.